This is Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Good afternoon and welcome to the show. Back to school. Everybody's there. You know, we miss those, uh, those long weekends, the Labor Day weekend. My daughter is, uh, is always very, very excited about Labor Day weekend. Not because she's going back to school. It's because it's a long weekend and normally the weather's warm and so is the water at the cottage and always turns out nice. And here we are, we're going, you know, first week of school is complete for most and we're all getting back into our routine. And speaking of routine, um, lots to talk about today regarding real estate, but I thought I might just, um, for those of you that aren't accustomed to listening to the show, I thought maybe we should do a quick, quick little overview of what happens here at Simply Real Estate, you know, where we come from, what we've been doing for the last several years. Um, so I am your host, Todd C. Slater, and uh, here at News Talk 1010, I am the real estate expert, and I've been very fortunate to be able to deal w- and, and work with so many of our wonderful hosts here on so many different shows, and being able to voice some form of simple opinion with real estate. Now, my background is a little bit diverse. It comes from contracting for multiple years, going into real estate for 20 years, uh, being very, very success, uh, successful. And I'm very fortunate that I had so many clients that worked with us and we were able to sell hundreds of homes per year. So we we're very, very fortunate. But more importantly, uh, years ago, I became the simple investor. And what we did was we started a company that allows people to own investment real estate with being completely hands-off. So when we decided to put together a show such as Simply Real Estate, it was built on more of a premise of really breaking down what is being brought to you as far as information in real estate. I, I do struggle with a lot of the media hype, a lot of the, you know, sky is falling mentalities and a lot of the, and I hate to say it, provincially mandated crap that gets put into the real world for us to absorb. And so when when we decided to do the show years ago, it was really based on, you know, focusing on the truth focusing on what's really happening and trying to break it down every single week for you. And we are here at 4 p.m. every single Saturday and talking about real estate and making it as simple as possible. So that's kind of the the the, the, the nut, nut and, you know, uh, equation of what we do here at, uh, at Simply Real Estate. But more importantly, one thing I'd like to thank is all of our listeners. If you're just tuning in for the first time or for those of you that have been following me for years, uh, I greatly appreciate our listeners. It's wonderful having you. You know, when we do open up the phone lines, we get huge participation. The fact that we have some spectacular guests joining us on a regular basis is very important as well. And I try to get them to break it down and make sure that we're getting the straight goods as opposed to, as I mentioned, the hype. And fortunately, today, we've got a few guests that are going to be joining us. Uh, Tim Hudak. Very familiar name, you know, former leader of the Progressive Conservative Party here in the province of Ontario, still an MPP, and he is heading towards being the CEO of ARIA later in the fall. So Tim will be joining us a little bit later in the hour. And I also have a professional uh, property manager, Mike Sackman, and Mike is going to be joining us. We're going to be talking about a little bit of a tune-up for both your homes and your investment properties coming into the fall. This is the time you should be thinking about it, not just when everything starts to freeze. So we're going to have uh, have these two gentlemen join us, of course, later in the hour. And when we talk about real estate, it would be really hard for us not to talk about the staggering numbers that you keep getting fed every single week. Um, you know, before I go any further, I'm going to ask you a question. 
Are you that interested in real estate, or is it just because it is the the topic uh, for the year, or for actually for the decade? It seems, but you know, are you getting sick and tired of hearing about it? There are those times that I do, and you know, everybody keeps saying the bubble's going to burst. The bubble's going to burst to the point where people that had forecasted Lehman's Brothers was going to collapse in two thousand eight. And there was an underlying reason that it happened, and they shorted the market so they could make money. They've been squawking about Canada, and the funny thing is, they have no knowledge of Canada. But they're basically saying there's no way the market can stay the way there is. There's no way that supply and demand has anything to do with it. There's no way interest rates have anything to do with it. And then they decided to throw foreign buyers under it, and they said money laundering is huge in Canada for the Chinese, um, you know, investors. And I started thinking to myself. Okay, so you were referring to about 1.5 billion dollars in mortgages when you're looking at a trillion dollars in mortgages that are actually outstanding. Interesting enough that you know I look at the numbers and they're, they're they're just not on. And so when we take a look at the big picture, we have to understand what people are perceiving as the Canadian market. And that's one of the things that we try to break down here every single week. So you know is BC's foreign buyers tax sending house hunters to Toronto. Well, the Toronto Real Estate Board released some numbers this past week. The numbers are up. We've got some staggering numbers. In fact, that they're saying we are getting to the point where you know 9,600 transactions in the month of August, approximately. And when you look at that number, you say, "Wow, that seems really big." They said that it was an increase of 20% roughly over year over year. Then they said, but because we had two more buying days, they adjusted it and said, so it's more like 13%. But here's the thing. The headline said 20. The reality says 13 if you actually use your selling days. So again, misinformation and you have to know how to absorb it. So to be exact, 9,813 sales in August, 23.5% increase from the same month last year, but as they adjusted it, it said 13% from the year last year. So again, misinformation. Now, the one problem that I have with this is that if you take a look at 13%, which means technically we were only about, call it give or take, a thousand units more sold. So if we take that over the entire year, maybe we're gonna have 10,000 units sell more this year. So the market could have 10% more properties sold here in Toronto. And here's where my problem comes in, is that we had 100,000 people immigrate into Toronto this year, or we will. So 100,000 people come in, and maybe we've got people that are going to be buying that are coming in that are, that are new immigrants. On top of that, you've got people that are bailing out of Fort McMurray, because obviously jobs, damage, everything else, oil industry. So we've got a lot of people coming out of Alberta that are moving to Toronto. So do you think that has any influence on it? And it's amazing how they skew things. So when you listen to Toronto Real Estate Board, they're, they're, they're making the claim that, oh, you know, look at these numbers. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Folks, it's not as crazy as you think. It's just supply and demand. There's people coming into our country. The country's growing. Of course, numbers have to go up. They can't say stay stagnant because that means that if they if the numbers were the same, that means that the market was going backwards. And this is how we have to analyze it. And I think it's so important that we understand and are able to put the numbers into perspective because that is very important to us. So when we hear things like, you know, new August record for home sales and GTA, I look at that stuff and I say, okay, 
How about we analyze it and make it make it make more sense? Because then what happens is everybody gets freaked out. All of a sudden, they don't want to buy. They think the market's overheated. And then you get somebody out of the U.S. who believes that they know absolutely everything about Canada that's never really probably set foot here and try to make a claim that they know that the market's going to collapse. Collapsing markets have a lot to do with, you know, uh, a pretty much numbers such as unemployment. We look at interest rates. When you look at oversupply, you look at major economies changing. Right now, we are not seeing that in Canada. Right now, we see Toronto as being now the leader in the marketplace. But again, Toronto prices are not as high as Vancouver. Vancouver may may turn around and stabilize, and maybe the prices aren't going to go up that much more. But that's not just the foreign buyers. The fact is, Vancouver started to fall off a little before this was put in place. And almost, they shouldn't have done it. It was a knee-jerk reaction. It was too quick and too many situations that, that they've created now with it. But more importantly, what we should be looking at is Toronto being the leader in Canada as far as the marketplace goes. It's how do we stabilize the market? How do you make it affordable for everyone? Well, I'm going to put that question to, to Tim Hudak a little bit later because being part of the political face here in Ontario for years, there's got to be some solutions. I will tell you I'm a little tired of everybody making all these studies. You know, everybody wants to study something. Well, that's great. They study it. There's two ways of studying something. You get the real numbers or you get the government numbers. And quite frankly, I know there's a few politicians saying, hang on, hang on, that's not true. We don't skew numbers. Well, in BC, they turned around and thought that there was about 5% of foreign buyers buying properties when they actually found a marketplace that was sitting at about 35% of foreign buyers. So why did the numbers get skewed? Because if they found the true numbers, they would have put a whole lot of pressure on the government to do something. And so the knee-jerk reaction was, let's force the fire, the, the, the tax in and guess what? The numbers were higher, but they turned around and said, yeah, but we came up with a solution. So is it all about the government looking good? Or should we be more worried about the people that are trying to buy on the ground? And th those are the people that I'm more concerned about, are the people that need to be able to afford a home, someplace to live. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. Now, also, one of the things I'm going to bring up, October 19th, is our next seminar for the simple investor. I know so many people had uh, had pre-signed up for it, didn't have a date. Well, our new date is October 19th. It is held at the Mississauga Convention Center. It starts at 7 p.m. You can go to thesimpleinvestor.com today to register your name for the seminar. There is limited seating. Uh, and so what we're looking for is to simply sign up again, leave your credit card at home. There's absolutely no cost to this seminar. We are going to go over so many things, a lot to do with Ontario real estate, investing, breaking things down. I'm going to talk a little bit later on in the hour that if you want to be a real estate investor, not just with a simple investor, just in general, I'm going to talk about it later in the hour because there are a lot of you looking to the fall saying, can I make a change in my life? What can I do? And there are a lot of solutions out there and they are simple, but you better get a little bit more knowledge before you do it. It's always valuable to have. And of course, uh, when we take a look at this stuff, um, it's really about you. It's about what you can create, generational wealth for your family, give you security for your retirement, and again, making it simple. So go to thesimpleinvestor.com today. October 19th is our next seminar. And uh, I can tell you that it's the only seminar for the rest of the year as well. So if you think we're having one in November, December, not happening. So as I mentioned a little bit earlier, I've got Mike Sackman, who's going to be joining me. He is a property manager 
uh, also a general contractor. And we're going to be talking about your properties, your investment properties, and what you should be thinking of for the fall. So I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've tuned into Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. And I'll be back right after this. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back to the show. If you're just tuning in, you are listening to Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. I am your host, Todd C. Slater. And as I had mentioned earlier before the break, I've got some great guests joining me today. We have Mr. Tim Hudak joining us a little bit later in the hour. But now I have professional property manager, general contractor, Mr. Michael Sackman joining me. And uh, Michael, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Mike, when we talk about property management, there's a lot of things that are involved in property management. You know, most people, uh, when they own an investment property, a lot of them look towards property managers, but even sometimes their own principal residence, they will have a property manager come in and take care of their property for them and do the things that they don't want to do. Now, this could be involved from landscaping, maintenance, roof repairs, everything. In general, are we finding that uh, the fall is one of the key times for people to focus on getting their properties ready, obviously, for the winter? Yeah, September, October is usually the uh, the time when people are doing that. They're getting their landscaping and you know, leaves and things and making it uh, nice for the winter and getting it prepared for the new season. couple things, uh, maybe some points. If you're preparing your property for the winter, you know that there's a lot of things such as, for instance, your outside faucets, you know, shutting off water, maybe covering your air conditioners. What are some of the things that people should be focused on getting their properties ready for the winter? Well, one thing, the key is what you just mentioned, Todd, is their outdoor faucet. Uh, they need to make sure that it is a frost-free. Uh, that's number one. Number two, they need to make sure that they would, and it's best if they had it, would be an outlet inside to drain the pipe so it would have an extra shutoff valve so that even though it's a frost-free, it would still not um, you know, freeze up on them. Air conditioners, like you mentioned, uh, that's a key point to make sure it's covered. There's no leaves getting into it. And if they can actually have it maintained first before they cover it by a professional, then it's ready for the next season so they don't have to worry about it in the springtime. Now, Mike, a couple of things. Uh, a lot of people, you know, with the furnaces nowadays, I know they're very, you know, high efficiency, but a lot of people forget to change filters. Is there kind of a schedule of like fall and spring to change filters? What What is the best thing for people to do? Uh, I would recommend that people change their filters every three months. It's more cost effective. You can do it spring and summer, but in order to maintain your efficiency, it would be best to do it every three months. Okay. And now, of course, one of the things that a lot of people struggle with are pests in the winter. You know, you know, squirrels, raccoons, they are looking for openings into your property, normally in your roof. Any recommendations for that? Uh, they should walk around their property, look at their soffits, uh, see if there's any holes that they may find or in their brick. If they find that it's in their brick, they can use what's called a pest block, and it's available from uh, any of your superstores. It's a spray foam uh, that gets into the brick and it would keep it closed from any, any type of a mouse or anything like that getting into it. Now, what about attics? Um, you know, is it better to try to deal with it your, yourself or do you turn around and deal with pest control companies? When it's an attic, Todd, I recommend that you go with a pest control company. Number one, you know, attics can be a confined space. They are warm. 
And if you're not sure of your footing and you come through your ceiling, uh, that's not a good thing and you're going to injure yourself. Leave it to the professional to do that. Excellent. And of course, that's fairly easy because, you know, right now, Mike, our our show pretty much broadcasts across Ontario. So people can go to the the websites of their local pest control companies. Um, now, of course... What about roofs? Because, you know, one of, one of the problems that people struggle with, of course, is roofs, ice, you know, flow, things like that. Um, are heating cables a good idea or should they get a roofer to inspect the roof once a year? I would suggest they just get a roofer to inspect it once a year, make sure it's clear of debris or any branches if they do have trees on their properties. What I do recommend would be they get a leaf guard for their east trough and that would uh, help with the water flow and keep the debris from going into the east troughs. Okay. Now, again, when, we, when we're concerned, because some of our northern properties, obviously, a lot more snow in some of them. And so people do struggle with water coming up, so ice damage, that kind of thing. Um, when people talk about heating cables, because this is something that people have used over the years, is this something you recommend and is the best time to put it on, on in the fall? You should put it on like September, October, especially for the northern people. Yes, I would recommend that for their roofs. Uh, whether they have a steep slope or a small slope, it should still be put on. It would keep the uh, the snow from building up uh, on their on their roofs and, and causing any damage. Well, one of the things that I think a lot of people don't realize is that the actual uh, gutters or even some of the valleys, which is the aluminum that uh, that bridges the joints of the roof, that's the area that a lot of times ice will crawl up in. And so one, I guess, recommendation, of course, is making sure that you do have your cables up, make sure they're plugged in, normally uh, out, outdoor GFIs, but make sure that the GFI wasn't tripped. Would Correct. you agree with that? I would I would agree with that. They can they can put a cover over top of it and make sure it's an outdoor GFCI that is installed. If it's not properly installed, have their electrician look at it to install a proper one with a proper uh, plastic box which goes around it. So, Mike, we talk a lot about investors here on Simply Real Estate and the ability for people to to actually learn how to be both a landlord or just an investor on their own. Um, some, of the, some of the websites that are good, I believe most people should probably go to the LTB website. Would you agree with that? I would agree 100%. The LTB is very, very informative. The other, the other good partner you can go with is Google is, is your best friend as well. <laughs> you know, normally if, if you have a question, somebody else has already asked it. Um, exactly. Couple, couple maybe recommendations from a property management standpoint. When you're qualifying a tenant, what should people look for? Previous tenancy. Uh, they should look for consistency of uh, their job. Uh, have they moved their job too many times? Are they consistently moving each year? Why are they moving? If they're a tenant which is in a, in a home for five or more years, you can always ask the question why they, why they find it moving. Uh, those are the things we typically look for is a consistency of a longer-term tenant. Now, what about things such as credit rating? Is there a certain credit score people should be looking for? Yes and no. You you should be looking for the credit score. What you should really be looking for in in the credit is not just the score. It's also the amount of credit they have um, available to them and how they're using their credit. And if they're overstated on their credit, meaning that they're over a certain gross debt ratio. Let's say somebody has an ideal tenant. Um, should they should they turn around and also look at co-signers perhaps? To look at a co-signer would be if you have someone moving into, as an example, a one-bedroom apartment and it's a single person, male or female, uh, it would be advisable to get a co-signer just in case something happens to them. Then you have a backup to uh, get your money as a landlord. 
Excellent. Well, listen, Mike, always a pleasure having you on the show. We appreciate it and uh, all the best. And uh, we will definitely reach out to you probably in the next few months. Thank you very much for having me, Todd. Great. Thanks so much. Folks, that was Mr. Mike Sackman. He is a property manager and general contractor. And always good to get some information from the people that are actually doing the work right now. When we come back, I'm going to take you through a little bit of a process of looking at investment properties, potentially when you want to buy something for your future. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back to the show. If you're just tuning in, we had Mr. Mike Sackman, property manager, join us a little bit earlier. And we were discussing getting your properties ready for the fall. Always a great idea, folks. You should make sure that, A, the water shutoffs are done. Make sure you change your furnace filter. Not a bad idea to check your smoke detectors. Make sure your batteries are up to date. Take a look at the gutters. Make sure you don't have any friendly residents hanging out in your attic. Because at the end of the day, you'll hear them all winter long. Use a professional Don't try to take them on yourself. I can tell you, those little raccoons, they can get pretty feisty if you start to disturb them in their own environment. Now, also a little bit later, um, we are going to have Mr. Tim Hudak join us. And uh, Tim's winding down his career as a politician. In fact, I I believe it's coming uh, coming to the, actually, the next just few weeks. So I'm going to ask him. You know, what are some of his highlights? And is there anything special that he has planned for his finale? And uh, so he's going to be joining us. Um, Interesting stuff in the news, of course. Uh, CMHC, uh, CMHC, head warns of funding shortage to meet housing strategy demands. Now, interesting enough... Um, They're saying that uh, the national housing strategy will intensify this week, but he cautioned the demands for new spending clearly exceeds what will likely be in the 2017 federal budget. A lot of the problems that people are finding is is that we've got a shortage of some of the lower income housing that's necessary. And so there's a real struggle right now. And definitely the budget doesn't have the money to be able to accommodate it. So this goes back to the whole affordable housing thing. And a lot of times when I talk about investment real estate, I like talking about um, it in outer markets. And if you're going to analyze something, let's take some basic numbers. I'm just going to run through a few with you. Of course, you can always reach out to me at thesimpleinvestor.com if you want to know something a little bit more direct. But let's talk about today's condominium market. A lot of people want to buy investment condominiums because, I, listen, it makes a lot of sense. I prefer condominiums as invest, as an investment tool because the condominium is responsible for taking care of the outside of the actual unit, meaning your windows, your roof, your doors, you know, outside cladding, garbage removal. So condominiums are actually quite lucrative for that reason. But when you take a look at being able to afford something, you have to keep the condominium fee in mind. So when we take a look at today's marketplace, we can pretty much draw a conclusion that most condominiums in the downtown core are sitting in around $400,000 today. So that means you're going to have to, if you're going to buy it as an investment, put $80,000 down, pretty much 20% down on an investment property. That's the that's what's mandated. That's the minimum. If you're buying it as a secondary property, meaning an investment property, not a for a family use. So 20% down. Now, 
in GTA, in, in, in actual downtown Toronto, you're going to be paying a double land transfer tax. So by the time you've done everything, you're pretty much looking at coming up with about $90,000 to buy a $400,000 property. So we're looking at $400,000 and we're looking at a $320,000 mortgage. Now, with mortgages carrying today at the, the low rates that they are, and they, they are quite quite incredible. We'll go with the interest rates kind of standard sitting around that 2.5 to 2.75 for a five-year fixed. If we start playing around with the numbers, our basic mortgage payment on something like this is probably going to come in right around $1,400 a month. Now, here's the next part. Now we've got property taxes and on the average, you're about $250 a month. And then we've got a maintenance fee. And maintenance fees, you're pretty safe to say 350 to 400 right now. But of course, in time, they're going to go up. And if we play with that 400 number, we've now turned around and we've got an expense somewhere in the neighborhood of about $2,100 per month. Now, here's the problem. We're talking about a one bedroom in downtown Toronto. And maybe you're getting sixteen to $1,700 a month is what you're going to get as far as an income right now. Depends on what the, depends on A, your location and B, supply and demand. But if we run with those kind of numbers, we're looking at negative cash flow between four and $500 per month. Now, if you're a speculator for investment real estate and you think that this property's gone up over the last four years, great, but speculators, when they turn around, if they sell it prior to closing. So let me explain. When you buy a brand new condominium and it's under construction, and let's say you have a four-year close, from that point, hopefully value is going up. Hopefully the market is doing well and it goes up. So by the time, just before you close, it's going to be worth more money. Now, one of the things that you can do is you can have an assignment clause. An assignment clause is in your offer that states you can sell it prior to your closing, which means you have to find a buyer that's willing to pay you a higher dollar and they're going to close on your behalf, meaning they've bought your contract, they've bought your piece of paper. Now it's been assigned to them. Okay, so so far, maybe you can make some money because this is what a lot of people have done. They thought that this was a lot uh, was being done with the foreign buyers, but not so much. So now we're turning around and we're saying, okay, we're going to speculate. We're going to buy, we're going to buy on spec. We're going to, we're going to sell prior to closing. Well, one thing you have to be aware of, you are not allowed to put that property on the MLS. Most builders will not allow it because technically you don't own it, own it. So you just have a piece of paper. So that can't go on the MLS. So that one can't go up for sale. So you don't get the big part of the market. So now you've got to put it out there. Do you go to Kijiji? Do you go to an exclusive listing and hope an agent can track down a buyer for you? Well, now you've involved an agent, which means you've got fees. So if you take a look at the average 4 to 5% commission rate, now part of your profit's going bye-bye. Now, on top of that, we have to take a look at the big picture. You are still on the hook for that property if the other buyer does not close. So on the day of closing, when the, when the builder says, okay, it's time to close, you now have to come up with the, you know, the 400,000 less your deposits and the buyer of the, of, from you who bought for 500,000 can't close, you're still responsible for closing. It's still your responsibility, which means no matter what, you need to actually have a pre-approved mortgage ready to go just in case, and you need a lawyer involved. So we're talking about speculation real estate. Now, this is because we're buying brand new condos in downtown Toronto. Is it the best way to go about it? For some people, you can do it. Right now, I'd caution everybody with the market, how much more can it go possibly up? So let's talk about cash flowing real estate and where it happens. Most people are aware that the outer markets are 
costing less. So in other words, if you look at Mississauga, you look at Brampton, you look at Oshawa, these marketplaces are not at the same dollar average of Toronto. Now, talking about Ajax, Pickering and Oshawa, those properties are probably hitting a break-even stage right now. Meaning you buy something, you turn around and you put your 20% down and you've got your rent coming in, you're probably at a break-even based on today's market value. But in Mississauga, you're going to be negative. So in other words, the prices have escalated much quicker than rent has. So right now, most properties are looking at negative cash flow with your 20 or 25% down. Now, a lot of people are sitting there saying, hey, Todd, why don't I put more money down? Well, the one reason why you don't put more money down is it also diminishes your returns. So basic numbers that you work with returns, meaning that how much money do you put out and what kind of return do you get? So yes, you could make it go to zero, but you're buying your cash flow. And that's one of the things as an investor you don't want to do. One of the reasons why I bring this up to you is because with our upcoming seminar on October 19th, and you go to the simpleinvestor.com to register for it, we discuss this thoroughly from start to finish. We try to break it down so you understand what you should be looking for in the marketplace. Again, it's not just about what we have as far as product. It's about what you can do yourself. Let's say you go out to St. Catharines and you find yourself a nice home. Guess what? St. Catharines will cash flow. If you look at places uh, such as Aurelia, Aurelia will just cash flow. Areas such as Kitchener, they will just cash flow. There are outer markets that you start making a little bit more money, and it's all based on ratios. Your ratio is the most important thing when you're looking at investment properties. Now, There are programs out there like The Simple Investor, which guarantees your rent, which means that you don't have to worry about the fluctuation. Doesn't matter if you're you're vacant or not, you get your rent every single month and that gives you consistency. Or you can look at third-party managers when you buy something in the outer market yourself. Not a bad idea. It's really tough for you to do it. The one thing we always ask people is what is your time worth? Meaning in the middle of the night, somebody calls about a broken toilet. What's it worth to you to go fix it? So... That's the basic premise of some of the real estate when we look at investment real estate. Now, there's so much more to talk about, a lot easier to do it at the seminar. Like I said, to register, you can go to simpleinvestor.com today to register. If not, you can always arrange a meeting. I'm happy to go over things with you. And every once in a while, I'm going to give you a little bit more information as we go along throughout the show. But most importantly, coming up after the break, my guest is Mr. Tim Hudak. And I'm really excited about it. Tim is moving on in his career. He's going to tell us all about it, what's going on, and get a little bit of of a perspective on the real estate market with Tim. So stay with us. We'll be right back with Simply Real Estate after this. You're listening to Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. Simply Real Estate with Todd C. Slater on News Talk 1010. And welcome back. Um, as I promised a little bit earlier, uh, my guest joining me now is a very familiar voice, uh, obviously person in both um, politics and here at News Talk 10. It is Tim Hudak. And Tim, welcome to the show. Good to see you again, Todd. Thanks oh. for having me back on. I guess I passed my audition a couple <laughs> weeks ago. You know what, Tim? It, it, it's, it's awesome to have you here. And you know, you're just so well-rounded in so many things, when, especially when we talk about real estate. And, um, you know, I, I, you know, you and I were talking a little bit off air and I guess you are coming up to your final stretch as being an MPP. Maybe you can share that with us. I know we're, we're in the last week. So I've, um, 
had the honor of being an MPP, one of those lucky 107 that have the distinction to be able to walk into that beautiful chamber. You got a microphone, you can talk about whatever you want. I've done that now for 21 years. Wow. Okay. It was first election when I was 27. Had a chance to play a number of cabinet roles, be leader of the official opposition and PC party, and I will be walking off the big stage this coming Friday. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's exciting. It's a bit daunting in many ways. But here's, I never thought I'd get elected. I mean, if you want the story from the, from the get-go, I ran, as I mentioned, when I was 27, and I didn't think I had a hope in hell. Uh, I was running, really, to make a name for myself, to carry the flag in a pretty tough riding for the PCs, and then maybe get a job uh, in, in policy, a bit of a policy wonk. And then run again when I'm an adult in my 40s or 50s. Wow. So it's one of those things, watch out what you wish for, Todd. You might sure. just get it. I wanted a squeaker and then worked hard at it. And they sent me back five more times after that. That's amazing when you when you take a look at it. Because you were so young, actually. I think you were, would have been one of the youngest uh, MPs at the time. Yeah, I used to. So, so John Baird, also a, a very well-known public figure, the former foreign affairs minister under yes. Prime Minister Harper. He and I were both elected provincially at the same time. He is about uh, 14 months younger than me, but I always reminded people that John was the youngest MPP elected. I was simply the most immature. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, definitely you've had a, an incredible career, and I know that you are moving on in the fall. Uh, you're going to be CEO at ARIA. We talked about that on the last time you were here. And obviously, you know, ARIA is, you know, trying to better uh, the industry uh, of real estate because real estate in itself practicing here in Ontario, there's a lot of rules and regulations that need to be enforced. Obviously, we've got a lot of members. I think that uh, right now, members of ARIA, I think they're probably sitting around 60, 70,000 members in Ontario, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, big bulk, of course, is in Toronto. And, you know, this is why Treb always gets up and says, hey, what about us? You know, we're, we've got the biggest membership. But uh, again, you know, uh, awesome for you to be able to get involved in that. And, but that's coming up this fall. Exactly. So as I said earlier, it's, it's with, with mixed feelings because I'm going to be sad to be leaving what I, what I do. And it's anybody can, can whine and moan about something that's happening in public life or government. I really have a lot of respect for those, whatever party who actually get off the easy chair of the bar stool and make a difference. And it's just been a great way to spend my career to date. But while well, I'm sad to be leaving policy, I'm really excited about going to be the new CEO of ARIA later this fall. It's a group that I've always been very closely involved with. I'm very motivated. As I explained to my young daughters, they're not sure what an ARIA is. I say, I'm going to help the people who help the people get people into a house, right? right. Their first home to raise their family. And um, I also am very attracted to it because not only the quality of people, the dynamic nature and entrepreneurial nature of realtors, but some pretty hot issues. Like you cannot open up a newspaper these days, go to a website or turn on the radio where real estate is not one of the biggest issues first off the mark. I think, I think so. I think right now, you know, uh, short of death taxes, uh, you know, real estate really is something that everybody uh, will have happen in their life at some point, if it's either you're renting or you're owning. And, you know, a lot of times people always think of real estate as ownership, but yet real estate has a huge part in people's ability to live, period. And when we talk about that, we talk about renting. And, you know, we're watching the market very closely here in Toronto, as you know. Uh, based on a lot of our conversations last week, we were talking to David Ebby again, who is the opposition for the housing critic with NDP party in BC. We, we were speaking with him and he was saying this new uh, foreign buyers tax um, has definitely hurt the BC market. You know, it's really created a few problems as we had discussed earlier with people that deals were not going to close because the tax came in and they decide not to close the deals. But more importantly, it's taken the wind out of the sails. 
here we are, uh, you know, looking at today, uh, one of the counselors uh, in Toronto here, uh, I think it was Jim uh, Karagiannis. You got right? it, exactly. Yeah, so he is, you know, put out to his uh, to his constituents saying, you know, what do you think? Should we put in this foreign buyer tax? Do you think that's a prudent move for a counselor to do? Well, look, I always think it's, it's a good sign um, when politicians at whatever level are picking up on the radar screen the issue around home affordability. Because to me, this is a, a, a mission that attracted me to the job at ARIA and was a theme in my public life as an MPP. Having the ability to afford a home, like to achieve that, that Canadian dream, it's where we raise our families. It's the biggest asset we'll, most of us will ever buy. So when people start talking about it, there is risk that we could be foolish and do something knee-jerk and disrupt the marketplace arbitrarily mm-hmm. without evidence on the options. But there's also an opportunity to present, you know, what are the underlying real reasons behind this? And what's occurred to me from my seat at Queen's Park, we've done an awful lot to limit the supply side of the equation. From the Greenbelt legislation, places to grow, new provincial policy statements, all of this has resulted in fewer new homes coming onto the marketplace. And when demand is increasing, you limit supply, you know, Economics 101 tells you you're going to get a big spike in prices. I think at ARIA, going forward, when I have the honor of taking over that job, and I know they're already doing good work at it, Ray Ferris as the president, and Ed Barisa and Treb, they're already putting options on the table on how government can change policy to bring more new homes to the marketplace and relieve the pressure on existing homes. Well, I think that's a good point, because right now, obviously, if we take Toronto uh, proper, there's a lot of the standard properties, let's say, that have 40-foot frontages. They can't do a subdivision at that point, meaning they can't separate and, and turn it into two lots, because there is a limit uh, you know, that's put on any kind of frontage for a property. So most people, if they're going to buy a property like this, they're going to simply either knock it down, put up something new, l- larger perhaps, for a family. And so we're not being able to create uh, two properties out of one. And that, again, that's some of the municipalities that they limit the amount of uh, you know, separation can make. But on top of that, so we, we've pretty much, you know, euchred ourselves to the point where Toronto cannot grow other than up. And right now we can see that driving here in the, on the Gardner, of course, we see so many of the buildings being put up. But now moving forward, as you mentioned, we've got a lot of situations where we need new construction, but we need new detached. And a lot of people are really coming to the point where they're saying, well, I, perhaps we'll never own a detached home, so maybe I have to own a bigger condo. When we take a look at places such as, let's say, Ottawa, um, you know, right now, Ottawa released uh, a a study saying that the average detached home price in Ottawa is up, and they thought it was drastically up. It's sitting around $320,000, for a detached home, but yet the condominiums are now sitting in on average around two hundred seventy. There's not a lot of discrepancy there, but if we take a look at Toronto, there's a massive discrepancy. How do you think it's possible that we're going to be able to open up the floodgates, increase inventory in the brand new market? I mean, you know, yourself, you know, looking at ARIA, let's take, let's take Tim Hudak, future CEO of ARIA. Let's take Tim Hudak, uh, no longer MPP, yourself from your vantage point. How do we do this? How do we, how, how does the public get a grasp on what has to happen? You know, t- 21 years in, in public life and many at senior positions gives you the benefit of perspective, but there's sure. somebody else who has even more perspective. The former mayor of Mississauga, Hazel McCallion, had been in politics, I think, from the, what, late 1960s. And she had a great line that I tried to use myself, do your homework. And before jumping in and putting a policy option to solve a problem, do your homework, make sure you have the evidence. So here are the good things. I mean, the Toronto Real Estate Board is already doing its investigations of what's truly behind 
the drive in prices in Toronto. That's going to be helpful evidence. What I'm really excited about doing, Todd, is when I take on the new position down the road, traveling and meeting with every real estate association in the province, all the local boards, because I want to hear their local perspective. I mean, who's going to know more, Todd, about what's actually happening in the marketplace than a realtor who's on the streets day in and day out? Yeah, agreed. And then we can work with others to bring good solutions to the table. I, I was pleased to see Premier win the other day. And, you know, we've had our sparring over the years. Of course. But I thought she was being sensibly cautious about saying that Vancouver equals Toronto or Vancouver equals Ottawa. We don't have the big mountain. We don't have the ocean constraining supply. So I was pleased to say that she wants to take a very sober second thought before charging down the idea of simply imposing a tax. Right. But again, people seem to be, keep falling back on a couple of things. And one, the most important thing is they always say, we need to get more facts. We need to get more facts. But when BC released their facts, they were completely skewed until they then um, turned around and went back and released them again. So originally, BC was saying that they thought that there was about 3 to 5% of foreign buyers were buying properties. The latest release is saying it had gone up to 35%. So the facts, are we going to get the real facts? And is it, if it's government mandated, are the facts going to be as clear as we need them? Or let's say Treb does, you know, I, I would think I would have more faith and no, no offense to any politician, but I'd have more faith in Treb giving me or Aria giving me the real facts than a government doing Sure. It. There's always a story with politicians that say, here's my decision. I'll go make up some facts to back it up. You got it. So I, I always think that in life, it, you can't control fate, but you can always improve your odds. Okay. And the best way to do so is to make sure that as opposed to always saying we're against something, you bring your alternative to the table. And I think there are a lot of good ideas out there from, from realtors or, or boards from Treb or Ottawa. By way of example, uh, there's a lot of economists who have come on board. There are other associations too that actually want to see the value of home ownership preserved and to give people choices. We're not going to simply build up. That may be viable for some people before they have the kids. We've got two kids. I like having a yard for them. So I think the goal should be, Let's put some alternatives on the table that are going to make sure that that dream is still achievable, as opposed to saying Vancouver equals Toronto equals Ottawa, therefore do the same policy. Yeah, excellent. Well, Tim, listen, always great to get your perspective on things. Um, you know, as, as usual, definitely want to have you come back uh, here to Simply Real Estate. Love having you as a guest. Uh, anything, any big plans to celebrate your, your final days yeah, as MPP? It's, it's a sort of quintessentially Hudak thing. My favorite event in the riding is going to be my last public event. Right. So you're in you're Oakville. You want to come down to Balls Falls. That's actually named yep. Balls yeah, Falls. Yeah, I, I know it is. Yeah. Conservation area. Thursday night, we're doing a chicken ribs barbecue. So I've got some some smoke ribs and chicken. We've got some great music, beautiful outdoor spot. It's actually where Debbie and I got married. There's a beautiful chapel there. So yep. it's meaningful to me as well. Hike there as a kid. Yep. That's my final event. So if the Slater listeners want to come down and have some good chicken and ribs, and I promise the politician speeches will be much shorter than my last sentence. <laughs> Excellent. Well, listen, thanks so much, Tim, Tim, and congratulations, and definitely enjoy your your, your final event. And uh, folks, you know what? As usual, uh, Tim Hudak, always a pleasure, and look forward to him being the CEO of ARIA in the fall. And to all my listeners, thank you for tuning in. I'd like to thank my producer, Ian Grant. I'm your host, Todd C. Slater, and I will talk to you next week at 4 o'clock.